Harming the environment goes against who I am. Pouring toxic dyes into waterways isn't something I personally can live with, especially considering how much time I've spent in the ocean during my life and seeing firsthand the death of an ocean floor. So no, that just didn't sit well with me. So being a sustainable company is a no-brainer. There simply is no other option whatsoever. Welcome to Mindful Business Founder, the podcast for fashion business founders seeking to build a meaningful and profitable business. I'm Liki Tang, and I'm here with you today to find out how mindful founders build strong businesses that deliver value to people and to the planet. For today's episode, we're very lucky to have Janice Trace. Janice is the founder of Connecticut Country Clothing, an eco-luxury brand designing smart women's blazers tailored for an exceptional fit. In this conversation, Janice will share with us some of her best childhood memories and how her love for the ocean and the water has laid the foundation for her environmental consciousness. So when she launched Connecticut Country Clothing, being an environmentally friendly business was just a no-brainer. We will also learn a lot about natural fabrics, buttons, and the closed-loop system of the production of the fabrics she uses for the blazers. She will also share with us one of the key factors of success of Connecticut Country Clothing, which is designing blazers with a perfect fit, whether you wear size 2, 14, or 24. Once again, I've learned so much in this conversation with today's guests. So, welcome Janice Trace. Hi Janice, thank you so much for being here with us today. I want to ask you my very first question. Can you tell us where you grew up? Um, I grew up uh, in the state of Connecticut in the U.S. It's a state in the Northeast, and Connecticut uh, has very much impacted my brand, Connecticut Country Clothing. It's a state full of rolling hills, lakes, ponds. And as a kid, I spent a lot of time exploring, hiking, building forts in the woods, along with swimming in lakes. So Without a doubt, uh, as a kid, I developed a deep soul connection with nature because it was my playground. Um, and it's this respect for nature, which I brought to my sustainable clothing brand. And in addition, where I grew up, there was a, a way of dressing, which I'd say was dress casual, like dressy but relaxed. You know, it was nice. Uh, the actress, I don't know if you know Kate Hepburn, she lived one town over. And so it would be very fair to say that her style really was the style of the uh, area. I mean, she was very unique and she also is one of my fashion icons, but um, her style represents the area that I grew up with. And so on my blazers, I always, uh, at least my signature blazer, I have a pop-up collar and that's a, a tribute to Kate Hepburn's personal style. So although I grew up in Connecticut, my parents were originally from New Hampshire, and when I was nine, they bought a fixer-upper summer house at a beach in New Hampshire, Hampton Beach, where there's only about like 18 miles of coastline on the Atlantic Ocean. But I spent every summer at the beach, and we'd look for sea life around rock formations and in tide pools and swim in the ocean. And when I was a teenager, I learned to surf. So my love for nature and water began very young, and I feel that Living on the wild Atlantic Ocean, it's really a magical thing. Um, 
there would be something wrong with you if it didn't create awe and respect for Mother Nature. And then I know you asked me about where I grew up, but um, during my life I've, as an adult, um, I've lived in a lot of places from New York City to D.C. to L.A. and also Honolulu. So in Honolulu, I lived at uh, my first year, I lived in Waikiki. So I was at the ocean every weekend, surfing, swimming, snorkeling, um, observing fish. So it's magnificent to see a stingray glide by or a sea turtle come up and nudge you to say hello because turtles will come up to you and, and make contact. But it was during this time living in Hawaii that I literally came face to face with bleached, dead corals on the ocean floor. And this death of the ocean floor had a significant impact on me. As someone who grew up swimming in clear Connecticut lakes or in the crystal clean ocean water in New Hampshire, this this really hit me. This impacted me. Um, Hawaii is supposed to be paradise. To summarize, um, I grew up in both Connecticut and New Hampshire, and as an adult, have lived in a lot of places. On the way, I developed a, a deep love for and appreciation for nature, and um, that impacts everything uh, about my blazers, from the fabrics to the fact they're biodegradable and non-synthetic, etc. How did the idea of launching Connecticut Country Clothing come about? Um, it wasn't uh, a straight path. It was a little convoluted. I've been living in L.A. for the past 14 years, and in 2015, I flew back to Connecticut to attend the wedding of my niece, and um, I arrived with um, dressy outfits for a wedding. You know, I assumed the wedding reception would be you know, kind of a formal indoor affair. But once I was in Connecticut, I learned it was an outdoor wedding with an outdoor reception uh, at the new in-laws property, which was a farm. So I had to think fast. Um, I was in deep rural central Connecticut. I was in the country. Think trees and more trees and more trees. So I was staying at someone's home, an Airbnb. And, and her house, there was a little side wing and the town's post office was in the side wing. And um, they were right next to the one and only all-purpose grocery hardware store for the town. So, I mean, it was really, really small. And what I'm saying is there were no shopping options for clothing. You know, in retrospect, probably I should have just driven to the city of Hartford. Um, but, but I think it was kind of late in the day and, and, and I could maybe I could have gone to Macy's. But since the Mohegan Sun Casino was a bit closer, I drove there. And the Mohegan Sun is gorgeous. If you're ever in Connecticut, go to the Mohegan Sun. It's American Indian Casino set back deep into the woods of Connecticut. It's all very natural. It's gorgeous. So there are upscale shops located there. Um, I didn't have high hopes because I'm a plus size woman and finding quality clothing and plus sizes on the fly is, is a joke. So, um, but I went and uh, luckily there was a men's shirt store at the casino um, called Robert Graham. And as a side note, Robert Graham began here in LA at Venice Beach and um, has uh, since then become a large luxury menswear store for shirts. So I fell in love with the artistic, high quality, unique men's shirts. And I bought a lovely, lovely one to wear as an overshirt with, with a tunic and slacks. And it was perfect. It was truly uh, 
dress casually. So at that point, I was already in the very beginning stages of creating a business, but I hadn't decided whether to pursue music, which I have a background in, or something with fashion, which I also have a background in. When I was young, when I arrived in New York City at 22 years old, my first job was at ISOD, where I had a very unglamorous job, but I learned a lot about the inner workings of a large uh, fashion company. And uh, after that, I worked for a very well-funded, small startup preppy clothing brand. Um, so because it was small, I got to learn a, a lot more. And at the same time as working at this little startup, um, I had a small fashion line of women's shirts, which was surprisingly successful for what it was. I hand-dyed and hand-painted, I repurposed, used men's cotton tuxedo shirts, which I bought from this 100-year-old man who had owned a tuxedo rental business. And I sold these um, hand-dyed, hand-painted shirts on weekends at the Grand Bazaar in New York City, which is still there. So, of course, when I saw the Robert Graham line of shirts, I found that really intriguing and interesting, and it started the wheels running in my head. So 20 years later from this, in my early 40s, I had an online surf shop. With the surf shop, I learned a lot of things. So I had already this background with some fashion and already having had an e-commerce store. So all of these things just started coming together in my head. So yeah, I mean, there was just all these different facets, like the need for quality clothing for plus-size women. And, and so I felt there was a need. I had a need. So I mean, it just it began incubating there. Incubating in your head. Yeah. When you started your brand, was it a moment, a aha moment, then you realized that sustainability is an issue and you need to incorporate these principles in your brand? Honestly, I don't remember an aha moment. The early stages of launching a business are filled with research, learning, uh, learning what your options are, what you need to do, figuring out who to work with and how to make it all a reality. So I, I'm sh- sure that during this time of research, I must have come across an article or two about the horrible footprint fashion has on the environment. And I didn't know that before. Like a lot of people didn't know that. So harming the environment goes against who I am. Pouring toxic dyes into waterways isn't something I personally can live with, especially considering how much time I've spent in the ocean during my life and seeing firsthand the death of an ocean floor. So no, that just didn't sit well with me. So being a sustainable company is a no-brainer. There simply is no other option whatsoever. Mm. I don't care what the hardships are and there there are challenges. I don't care. Uh, It's just how it has to be. And then personally, um, even before before knowing about the horrendous impact fashion has on the environment, I already had like a minimalist wardrobe mindset. Um, I tend to subscribe to having a kind of a uniform mix and match approach, which is a great way to create different looks while using many of the same garments. Um, I have a conservative outlook regarding my closet, um, but I really really, really began this capsule mix and match approach back when I had, 
I, I owned a house and, and it was it was a one hour commute each way from my home to the office. I worked in downtown LA. And so I'd arrive home late at night and need to leave really early in the morning. And there was always something to handle at the house, whether it was removing a skunk from under my home or maybe an irrigation hose broke and there was like gallons of water streaming out or a mole doing the backstroke in my pool, you know. So handling those things took priority and I still needed to get to work on time. So standing in front of my closet trying to figure out what to wear was just <laughs> not something I had time for. So it was like, okay, I have I have a slew of blazers, slew of tops and and pants and they're all meant to go together. So that was my mindset to begin with. And and so I carry that into my brand now, like having really strong core wardrobe pieces and, and blazers, uh, which is what I focus on. Uh, they're the real workhorses of any closet. Your account is designing and selling many blazers. And what's special about your blazers? Why your clients love them? I think there's a number of things that set my blazers apart and different people react differently to different things. So um, I think that the fabrics are most certainly special and how our signature blazer drapes over curves, all kinds of curves, gets a lot of appreciation from women. Because so often an off-the-rack blazer means you have to sacrifice fit somewhere for fit. So for fit, we made many, many prototypes and adjustments to ensure a good fit from size zero through size 24. And this was especially important because our fabrics are not stretchy. The blazers are tailored and they're made for the female form. Um, they're not, uh, we're, we're anti-boxy, <laughs> you know, like mm. a lot of blazers are boxy. And then I think no, no woman wants to wear a box. So our signature design is meant to flatter a woman's curves. Um, now I'm going to go on um, because there's Specifically, there's a few areas that women really like. I, I find that almost all uh, women have their own uh, aha moments because when they feel the fabrics, most of them exclaim, what is this fabric? You know, I love this. It, you know, it's soft and it's breathable and, um, and it's something they haven't felt before. So I would say first, the fabrics, um, when experienced in person, provide a, a certain wow factor. And then for fit, um, you know, women, we come in all different shapes and sizes, even if we're like regular sizes, you know, the zero through 12, um, there, there are variations in how the body forms. And, um, and when you get above size 12, the variations are much greater. Women are much more unique in their bodies once you get over size 12. So fit was a big thing for us. And, and busty women said that if a blazer fit them across their chest, it didn't fit them anywhere else. Mm -hmm. So we addressed that issue and made many prototypes until we made our busty friends happy. And one of our website models, uh, she's an e-cup and, and she's 5'9", and then we have her uh, on the website wearing a size 8 and sometimes a size 10. But both of them, they just fit her perfectly everywhere. Another uh, common complaint we heard from women of various sizes is that blazers often are too tight through the back or in the upper arm. So we made adjustments to those areas. 
and especially uh, for the upper arms is true for plus size women. Like once, once a woman is like 18, size 18, 20, 24, the, uh, sometimes the upper arms are a real problem for fit. So we made adjustments and I have a friend, uh, actually she models for me. She's a size 20 and, uh, you know, size 20 fits her perfectly. She's so happy. She was going to leave with my blazer. I was like, no, no, you can't get my blazer. Come back. <laughs> so fit. And probably I've heard the most from tall women uh, more than any other category because many said that a blazer in their size, it, you know, it might fit in the bust and the arms and the waist, but because they're tall, uh, a regular blazer is often way too short on them or way too short for their personal taste. So the fact that our signature style is a longer blazer really truly works for them because if a tall woman were to buy a size up to make a blazer longer on her, then it's baggy in other places. So, you know, there's always, I find with a lot of women, there's a, always something that they sacrifice somewhere. Uh, if they want the blazer to fit across their bust, they sacrifice somewhere else. If they want it to fit in their across their hips, maybe they sacrifice at the bus or, you know, whatever. And I think the, the last main issue that we address regarding fit are the challenges to women who land in between sizes. Mm. Uh, um, th this is the, really the size 14 woman, most of all, because most brands, they do zero through 12. And so their pattern is based on the size six. But when that pattern goes if they raise that regular pattern up to 14, it starts getting one and it doesn't really fit a, most size 14 women. And, and then if a pattern is a plus size pattern, let's say they do the pattern at uh, size 18 and they scale it down to 14, chances are that size 14 also is not an appropriate pattern f for that woman. Um, it's probably too baggy or, you know, it's just awkward. So this size 14 area, and a lot of women are size 14, is a real, it's a wasteland. There's like very hard for a size 14 woman to find something that genuinely fits her. So we paid really special attention to this area. I studied size charts by all kinds of brands. I studied how they scaled and how they scaled differently for different garments and how they scaled for plus or regular. And, and so really studied that and then studied a couple of other brands that also only do blazers to see how they handled it. And, and those brands actually were mostly just regular sizes. Yeah. So we're really pleased with what we did for size 14. We have two size 14s. One's a slimmer cut and the other one's a more relaxed cut, which is a women's cut. A women's cut is always just considered more relaxed. So, You said something very important, that the women, your clients, love the fabric. Can you explain what's special about those fabrics that you're using? Well, uh, the, the fabrics are special. They're sustainable fabric. There's no synthetics in them, so... You know, most of what you find out off the rack are synthetic blend. So I think, you know, feeling a natural fabric is just it's a wonderful thing. Natural fabrics are a thing of beauty. You know, they're just gorgeous. And the underlying qualities, which a consumer, you know, putting on the blazer for the first time doesn't see is, is that, you know, my fabrics are biodegradable, which brings us back to my love of the ocean, because synthetic microfibers are now found in sea life at deep ocean depths. And it, that's incredibly appalling. And not to get too far off here, but they're impossible to clean up because they're microfibers. They're, it's not like you take a, a big arm and, you know, sweep 
the floating garbage off the Pacific garbage patch, which is a wonderful thing. The ocean cleanup is going in there, but gathering up the big pieces, but the small pieces, you can't clean them up. And that's very dangerous to our ecosystem. So that's very important to me that my fabric, when the fibers eventually make their way into the waterways from when they're cleaned, then I don't want any harm coming to sea life. I don't want any negative impact on uh, innocent tiny sea urchins. So being biodegradable, sustainable, limiting, you know, the use of chemicals during the process of creation of the fabrics and non-toxic dye. To the best of my ability, I choose fabrics and buttons which are sustainable from farm to dyeing to, to the end life of that garment. I don't want my garments ending up in a landfill after someone's done with them and being around for a thousand years. I want them to return to the earth. So that's not something you see, you know, when you experience the blazer. Hopefully you just see something glorious and wonderful and that feels great and it's light and it's breathable and wicks away moisture and all those great things. Those are great things. But the underlying thing about the fabrics, all the fabrics and the buttons is that they're biodegradable. That's really important. So is it like Cupro is one of the biodegradable fabric? Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, Pro, um, I use it for both. I use a brocade cupro for the shell of a, uh, a blazer, and also I use other cupros for linings. And uh, cupro is it's made in a closed loop system, which means that there's no waste uh, put out into the environment, and, and in fact, waste is reused. And then the buttons, um, they're made from uh, tagua nut, which is also called corozo. And we work with a family-run business that has been around for generations, and they bring employment and skills to impoverished communities. So we're also looking into using buttons made from seashells, uh, but this research is in progress. That makes the perfect transition to fair trade practices that are implemented in your business. Can you explain a little bit about that? I only work with vendors, uh, manufacturers, and distributors whom I trust and who can demonstrate their knowledge of farms, mills, and dyeing practices, um, and who have been audited and certified. So I prefer uh, fabric mills in China because China is stricter than you might imagine, stricter than certainly India or Pakistan, where maybe your fabrics get outsourced to a sweatshop and there's no way for you to know. In China, they audit mills to ensure they are sustainable if they claim to be. Uh, I mean, they audit all mills, but they, if they claim to be sustainable, they check for that. The government shuts down for an entire month mills while they're doing research and, and investigating them to make sure they're up to standard and doing what they claim they, that they do. In China? In China. Yeah. So I can't imagine my business being closed for a month, you know, but that's a, that's a hardship on them. But um, my primary vendor has worked with certain farms and mills in China for decades, and she visits them regularly and can vouch for working conditions, daycare provided for families, meals provided, community support, etc., um, and it's just helpful when a country has high environmental protection and labor standards. I tend to avoid countries that are pretty questionable in these areas. So many of the companies I work with have been family-run for generations. They're small. They have reputations to maintain for the health of their business. The provider of my hemp fabrics 
pioneered hemp fabrics in the U.S. Um, mm. Yeah, uh, we might not have hemp fabrics in the U.S. today if it weren't for them and their advocation in D.C. Back in the 1970s for the import of hemp fabrics from China, they had to fight to be able to import hemp fabric from China um, mm. because the U.S. government was like, huh, hemp. No, you can't import hemp. You know, so uh, it was a big challenge. But they finally uh, received permission to import the hemp fabric. And um, but when those containers arrived from China, they were inspected. You know, like the government was all over them. So this distributor, they are hemp experts. They've been doing it for a long time, and uh, so they provide counseling to a lot of the new legitimate U.S. hemp farmers to help them make their new businesses successful. They teach them teach them about growing hemp and harvesting and things like that. And the extremely good news about this distributor, this vendor, is they're bringing the entire process to the U.S., so farm to fabric here in the U.S., since now that hemp can be grown in the U.S. So they're building a mill so that hemp grown locally, nationally, can be turned into hemp fibers here and then be dyed and woven uh, into fabric here. And what's really cool is they'll be continuing the ancient dyeing process used in their China mills, which is a closed loop system, meaning nothing goes out into the environment. So what happens is once the fibers are dyed, uh, the water runoff containing the low impact dyes runs into a closed pool on the premises, which contains a, a moss. And this moss helps clean the dyes out of the water. And then the water from that pool runs into another pool, which I don't know, maybe has charcoal or something. And then the water from that pool runs into another, to another, to the final pool, where the water is 100% drinkable, clean, beautiful, no dye whatsoever, no chemicals, etc. So, you know, really, you can just dip your cup into, into that water and, and drink tea. So this amazing ancient closed loop process will be replicated here in the States as well. So the water is cleaned with the moss, by the moss. The moss is one of the pools and the moss, something about the moss helps clean the water, die out of the water. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, it's awesome, right? Because, mm. you know, water is a big issue with manufacturing and the waste of water and dye in water and stuff like that. So this is a great process. The uh, manufacturer of my Corozo buttons is also a generational family-run business, and, and they provide income, support, and teaching skills to communities that might be completely impoverished without them. I mean, it's really wonderful what they're doing. And then some of my specialty cupros, the ones that are like much more colorful and maybe have stripes or polka dots or brocades, uh, these specialty cupros come from Italy. And from very small mills. And these mills, are they're so small, they hang the newly created fabrics out to dry on clotheslines across small ancient Italian streets. You know, so it must be lovely to see. Um, so, but when I asked my distributor to ask these small Italian mills if they had the Oikotex certifications, we really, we feared for the worst because they were just such small mills. and. Mm. But uh, we were pleasantly surprised. They came back mm. and they responded. They were like, yeah, sure. We got to have certifications. Yeah. Here's some copies. They're like, yes. Mm. Yeah, that was awesome. What an insightful conversation. Janice is such a detail-oriented person. And I guess that's one of the reasons of the success of Connecticut Country Clothing. If you want to keep on learning from Janice... Make sure you listen to the next episode, 
where Janice will share in great detail about her very smart and inspiring business model and many other ideas you can implement in your business. So stay tuned and talk to you soon. Did you like this episode? If you enjoyed listening to Mindful Business Founder, it will mean a lot to me if you can share this with your friends who are also in their sustainability journey. You can also subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or any of your favorite podcast platforms. Bye-bye now. Bye.